and your Emphasia podcast. Yo, pick your red up because things ain't that bad. Maybe you should switch the target that you're aiming at. Believe perfection is a beast that they'll never catch. So never waste another day because life moves so fast. And a dream without pursuing, though they never last. Another shadow of regret I try to never cast. And always tell a truthful story if they ever ask. Stop the complaining because things ain't that bad. This is the first episode of the Endurance Asia podcast. I'm your host, Scott Pugh, and we're, uh, we're kicking off with an absolute cracker today. Uh, Tomokazu Ihara-san, or Tomo-san as he's more affectionately known, is an uh, 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 ultra runner based out of Japan. He is on a quest to run 100, 100 mile races, and he's just got back from, or is on his way back from the, the Barclay Marathons where he he lodged a fun run, three laps. We'll we'll get into a bit more of that at the um, after the interview. But I, I'm keen to get to get straight into the uh, straight into the interview and 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 get this uh, this absolute legend's story out there to the English speaking community. He runs his own podcast in Japan, which in, in Japanese, and I think this is the first one that uh, that he's he's posted in English. So let's uh, let's get into it, Tomokazu Ihara-san. Thomasan, welcome to the Endurance Asia podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's so good to have you have you here and being able to be able to speak with you and, and hear your story. Uh, it's been it's been three weeks um, since we met. Now it's like three weeks to the day that we met in Hong Kong. The first time we met, yes, at the at the Hong Kong Four Trails Ultra Challenge, and um, and yeah, we'll, we'll get deep into that today but um but really what I'm excited about today is uh is sharing your story of a hundred miles a hundred times which is just a mind-blowing concept in my eyes um and we'll get into that but yeah if you don't mind I'd like to kick off by you obviously introing yourself but just really finding out what your backstory is Tom who is Thomas and how did you get to be sitting here today Okay, so um, my name is Tomo. Uh, my full name is Tomokazu Ihara. I'm 41 years old. Um, I started running um, back in 2008. That was when I was 100 kilos <gasps> in weight. How high? Are, how tall are you? Um, 178 centimeters. So I was pretty a uh, big guy. And that was when I joined Amer Sports, my previous company. So Amer Sports carries all kinds of brands such as Wilson, um, Sunto Salomon, um, Precor. So I was in the Precor division, and um, every year we have a trade show. And um, that year um, there was a team competition within our team to kind of lose weight using our cardiovascular equipment as well as our Sunto watches, which is one of their Amer brands. and. Um, the sales guys told me, I'm a big guy, fat guy, so you're in. And then, um, like, like I did like 5K, not runs, but walk, because running was too hard. So I kept on doing 5Ks on the treadmill for like three months, and I lost 7kg. And then, after like three months, um, I got into running. And... Um, um, it became a part of my life. Um, it 
like washing your face in the morning. If I don't run, I, I don't feel good. So that type of thing. And then um, now I'm running <laughs> 100 miles and I'm planning to 100 miles 100 times. So I shortened my, my story, but that, that's me. That's me. Yeah. We, so going back a little bit more, so you, you, were, 100, you were over 100 kilos in 2008. Were you always like overweight as a kid? Were you athletic as a kid? What were you like growing up? So um, I used to be athletic um, when I was until uh, junior high. I was doing soccer. Um, I used to live in Scotland. Did you really? Yeah, yeah. Whereabouts? Um, a, a town called Haddington, which is a little bit east, south of Edinburgh. Got you. Yeah. What, what took you to Scotland? Uh, my, my father's work. Um, he was the operations manager for Mitsubishi Electronics, and he went to that factory as the operations guy. How long did you spend there? Um, five years. Oh, so and, and what age were you? So six to eleven. Okay, cool. Well, that's pretty formative years as well. To, and pretty cold and miserable there as well. <laughs> <laughs> what are your memories of Scotland? Um, uh, I like playing soccer with uh, my friends. That's where I learned my soccer, and um, I, I did my soccer until junior high. Mm, Scotland, um, yeah. Nessie. Yeah, yeah, Loch Ness. Loch Ness. Yeah, uh, it was a good memory, yeah. And There's some good trail running up there as well, actually. I wish I knew at that time. Yeah, yeah, I was <laughs> quite... Uh, yeah, you've got like, uh, yeah, you've got Ben Nevis is a good mountain up there to... to I mean, it's like fell running in the north of England, Scotland's uh-huh, huge. Uh-huh. But, um, and so you moved back to Japan when you, when you were like uh, going into your teens and... Correct. And then... Um, then after um, high school, I went to uh, univer- uh, college in Seattle, ah, in, in okay. America, and that's where I, I'm catching up with my English. Yeah, know. yeah, your English is amazing. Like we're sitting here in in Japan right now. I like love coming to coming so to Tokyo. So your question was my fitness level. So I used to do soccer until junior high. I I didn't do any sports in high school, and after I started working, um, I just became <laughs> weight, um, gain gain weight uh, with I guess the stress stress and work. Yeah, like yeah. salary band style, like drinking yeah, every yeah. night and uh... putting my uh, my tie on my head, like Jap- <laughs> Japanese salary man style, you know. So yeah, that's where I gain my weight. Yeah, it's a. That, that's really interesting. So you didn't like it started with um, with just a competition at work, something as simple as that, as like a weight a weight loss competition. Correct. Yes. What was the? I actually interested. What was the? How did they set up the competition? Was it how much you could uh, lose within a certain amount of time? Was it how much weight you could lose or within three months? Got you. So um, the, did the you ru- win? I win. <laughs> so the rule was use the cardiovascular and Sunto watch and try to lose weight within uh, BMI. Lose weight and BMI is kind of equal, but to lose BMI within three months was our goal. And we kind of photograph ourselves um, before and after, and then we presented that during our show. Yeah, how many people were in the competition? I'm just asking because I think for anyone that's that like at work or like we'd have like weight loss competitions and stuff at work but it can be the catalyst to just mm-hmm. turn someone from being really unfit overweight to being an amazing athlete so how, yeah. how did it all how was it structured it was about um 10 sales guys and uh, two marketing 
yeah. guys and myself and some service guys about 15. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 15. That, and having, especially people in sales and naturally so competitive. So yeah, 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 yeah. I can imagine that it got pretty competitive. Exactly. Another like competition, just for example, I did while I was in MR Sports. That's when it was, well, I started to do 100 miles. Um, I did one 100 mile on a treadmill and um, I ran on the treadmill for 100 miles. And the competition was against the Amer Sports colleagues. And there was about 25 people who ran. Some people ran only 2K, some people ran like 10K, and some people ran 20K. And there was about 25 people who competed against me <laughs> to, to run 100 miles. <laughs> so let me get this straight. You competed against the whole company, like yeah. you running 100 miles naked, and they had to try and beat you and amongst 25 other people. Correct, it? correct. So who won? Um, actually, my colleagues won. About They were like an hour, 30 minutes faster than me. Oh, you did it on, they did it on speed. Yeah, yeah. That's because actually, when I was doing some research for um, for us meeting today, I I, I saw the article on the, and the pre-core website. So pre-core is the um, uh, is the treadmill machine. Um, and I was actually I was thinking, who runs a fucking hundred miles on a treadmill? Like, like honestly, if I like, I remember in in Singapore when I first moved there, we had like really bad haze, and you were told you couldn't go outside. So I was like, oh. I've got to run inside. I did like a half marathon on the treadmill. I was like, never again. It's the most tedious thing. Doing like five times that on a treadmill. And so I did the research. I was like, I'm sure that must be a record somewhere. And actually like, yeah. Did you, did you research to see if there was any records? Yeah, for- there was uh, someone who did like 500K. There's someone that's like 500K? <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, okay, that's great. What, who's, who's got that record? Did you I, see? I think that was someone in UK or something. because I saw I looked up running hundred running um, on treadmill or something and Guinness book yeah and Guinness record or something and I I saw that in like three days or something yeah that was so crazy I thought I was crazy but there's more people that are more crazy (laughs) no matter how crazy you are you think you can be there's always someone crazier yeah the the records I saw on Guinness book of records were actually the furthest run within Mm -hmm. 12 hours and then the furthest run Uh, within 24 and I think that yeah and it was based on the time so but still like 100 miles (laughs) on a treadmill was mental (laughs) actually how did you keep yourself entertained during it then oh actually our treadmills do have like it's like a a console which has uh, you can watch Netflix, Spotify, and that time um, I was really into Barclay, my first Barclay that I did last last year. Before that, I did the the treadmill 100, and, and on the Netflix, maybe you haven't saw it before. They have the Barclay documentary, and I was watching that con- continuously. You watched it over and over. Keep my motivation and momentum <laughs> up for the race. That's brilliant. Yeah. That's so good. Um, yeah, when I was training for the four trails, I don't know if you've listened to it yet. I guess you might have, but um, David Goggins' um, audio book. Mm-hmm. You, have you heard of Dave, David Goggins? Yeah, I think I've heard of him. He's um, he's like a Navy SEAL, but he's. I know you've done Hurt 100 four mm-hmm. times. He's done Hurt 100 a few times. You've mm-hmm. probably done it in the same years. But he's got Hurt, um, You Can't Hurt Me, his audio book is just phenomenal story. And, uh, and yeah, when I was training for the four trails i was like listen to that incessantly as oh motivation. really yeah i need to check that out honestly it's i he's he's been on loads of podcasts like joe rogan quite a few others but mm. his audiobook is one of the most motivational stories that i've heard in my life like it's 
it's unbelievable for wow. out. Um, so taking it back, you you do this competition, you lose the seven kilometers, uh, and then running becomes a part of your life. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you go from that walking five k to coming up with the concept mm. of a hundred miles, a hundred times? So um, after I losing seven k on the treadmill uh, for after three months, um, running became uh, my lifestyle, and I wanted another uh, motivation for a goal to aim for, and um, I asked my colleague, sales, one of my sales guys, he pointed at a poster within our company. It's called Madarao Forest Trail. It's one of the famous 50K races, but it also has a 15K race, and it's a trail running race. So actually, a lot of runners go through the marathon first, the road running, and then become ultra. Um, I just started from trail, and um, I, before I went for the race, one of my colleagues took me to the mountains because you need to prepare for the mountains before doing a mountain race, trail running race. So he took me to one of the major uh, mountains in Tokyo called Takao, where I live right now. And just running up those high, steep hills was like very tough. But, you know, the, the trails, the smell of the mud, the, the birds singing, the sunshine, um, it was just phenomenal. It was just amazing. And I was just, and after you run, um, the, the food tastes good and all that thing. I, I just thought, why didn't I know the sport? I'm like, almost 30 and why didn't I know the sport I used to live in I was born in Nagano where there's a lot of mountains why why didn't I so that was so it's like a thunder in my head like I need to do this I I need to I want to continue this as a as a lifetime um, until I get old I want to do this until I, I, I get really old so that was so shocking that since then I just love the sports and if you do like 15k I finished 15k then it, you get hurt during the race you said I'm not doing this again and you, you you think about that but after like two weeks later you think about a 30k race and then a 50k and 100k then 120 then 100 miles uh, like 100 miles is like a distance for me, um, you can run without sleeping, almost. A marathon is like a, a distance that a human being can really, really run fast uh, with his best effort. So 100 miles is something um, I, 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 I kind of um, made my distance longer and longer and just stop and say, this is a fun, fun sport. And um, I just said, I just, I just continued to do 100 miles, 100 miles, 100 miles. So how long was the progression from that 15K race you started from to your, to your first 100 miles? Yes. So 2008 was my first 15K. And um, 2010, November, was my hundred, first 100 mile, which um, I did on my own. It's like a fat-ass 100 miles because um, I wanted to run a race in America called Chimera 100 in Los Angeles, um, California. And I said, I need to train for this. And I just <laughs> ran on along the river, which I usually ran, which is about 
55K, and then I continued my run to go to a, a mountain. Um, it's called Ome in, in Japan, and that's where I trained my tra training run um, on the trails. So I just put that all together, and it was like 80 miles, 80K, 50 miles. So I just said, just going back and back, back to back is 100 miles. Let, let's do it. So let me get this straight. You you trained for a hundred miles by doing a hundred miles. <laughs> like they always say, if you like train for a marathon, you'd go up to maybe twenty miles, thirty odd kilometers, but um, don't do the full distance. But mate, I am completely with you because psychologically, mm -hmm. once you train to do that hundred miles, mm -hmm. once you've done it, you're mm -hmm. like. I can do this. I've done mm -hmm. it before, right? Mm -hmm. And was that your thought behind actually doing the hundred mile training session? Correct, correct. And I, I, at the time, I did some blogs, and I have a lot of notes that I I learned on that four hundred miles on that day. And I have like a lot of memos, maybe fifty of them. But those are like <laughs> those are still my theories of hundred miles. That I learned on that day, and I, I look, go back and look at my blog and go through all those notes and says, yes, that is correct. That is a theory for a hundred miles. Yes, you're, 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 you're. That's a good point. So I think on my first hundred miles, I learned a book of theories that I still use them for my hundred miles. So without going into all fifty of those. Um yeah, like going back to that first one, what were, the, what were the biggest learnings that you had in that very first 100-mile um, training session? Um, the theories? Yeah. Um, like, don't, don't wear your first <laughs> shoes on, a, on, a, on your first run. Things like, very yeah. simple thing like that. Don't use something new before a run. And um, yeah, a lot of them were like, normal things that it, it is kind of normal now but um it, it was something new because at that time there wasn't a hundred mile race mm -hmm. in japan yet when uh, did ut uh mf start that was um 2011 i think 2011 the ultra trail mount fuji was that was the first time in 2011 correct correct april that was the first year and so hold on a second so if we go back to 2009 and the uh, ultra running wasn't wasn't as big as it is now obviously but Correct. um it's one of those things that most people would just think 100 miles is just too far because there wasn't many people there wasn't any many 100 mile races around the world in, mm. in fact some of the big us ones must have been around right Correct. so um, yeah, you had like the Grand Slam. Did they all exist then in 2009? Yes. Okay, yeah. So it was, but in Asia, it wasn't really a thing. Certainly not in Japan. Yeah. So um, when I was kind of heard about the Hurt 100 from my one of my um, the training partner, I was like shocked. I thought 100K was uh, for this anywhere. So he he says that there's 100 miles. I was like, really? And then when I kind of researched more into it. Um, I learned about the Western States and Leadville and uh, Vermont and all those 100 miles. And um, yeah, um, and at that time, there was only one guy in Japan who, who ran um, some of the American um, 100 miles, which is my close friend now. Um, but um, that was amazing. Did you, so how did you find out about, about him that had, 
how did you find out that he had run them? Oh, the, yeah. How did you get to meet the 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 guy that was the first guy to have so, run them? So once I know the phrase Western States or yeah. Leadville, I just search in Japanese in Google, and then his blog came up. Got and you. He already ran it like two years ago, and I'm like, wow, there was someone who exists. And Japan. so you just reached straight out to him and uh, and yeah. got to get his advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, and. Uh, so that, and when, and so how did you go from, okay, you want to train for this 100 mile race, you do a 100 mile training session, where did the, because how did you come up with doing it 100 times? Because at that stage, there's no way that, you didn't even know if you could do 100 miles, let alone if you could do it 100 times. So yes. when did that, when did the, the, yes, that come about? Until I do my um, like first, like my first 100 mile was the challenge was to finish 100 mile. Um, after doing like several, a couple, one, one dozen, like 15, it, 100 miles became it's still a challenge, but not far as because until like my 10th one, I was always thinking 100 miles is so far. <laughs> like after you run like 70 miles, you still have like. 20, 30 miles which is more than a, a marathon and it's, it makes you crazy but after like 15 of them I feel like it's not that far and um, like until like the 15 to 100 mile I put a lot of effort a lot of effort in each races and I have a fan I'm a father I'm a husband uh, and I have a, a daughter so you need to sacrifice a lot of time and um, I think at that time I, I sacrificed too much of my family time or work time. And I was a little bit selfish about myself, using a lot of time on my running, go out running in, in the weekends. So, um, like, it's the balance. And um, I learned at that point that I can't put too much effort on my running or the balance will be kind of odd or the balance of the family time will yeah. break right yeah. I, I guess a lot of the people who are runners have a family the and they've challenges. gone through those moments so I, I i said to myself i need to balance this thing so if i put too much effort that balance gets odd so i i, I said to myself that i want to plan for a, a longer period of times uh, so that i can continue this sport i love this sport so I know a lot of people who, who's been in the sport but are gone now. I don't know why they're gone. They might, there might be other reasons, like they have some more interest in some other sports, or they, they will, some people might not be able to balance their life between this. So I said to myself, I want to balance until, I want to run until like I'm 80 or 90. So how do I do this? I said, and there was only one way to do it, just balance your family time, work, and running to almost be equal. But the, my priority is always my family. Second is my work, and third is my running. So I still I need to balance that always, so that my family and work is always before my my running. So yeah. then I said to myself, well, I need to have a longer goal, and and yeah, that's why I came with 100 miles, 100 of time because. Basically, it's going to take me like uh, 20 years to achieve it. And it's also a, a fun goal. 100 mile is a good goal, 
but doing that 100 times is a lifetime achievement and um, yeah that. I, I there's a few things that I'd like to like to sort of unpack a little bit there but the, the goal piece is is what I love about it and, and one of the other guys we're, we're going to get on the podcast Grant Rawlingson Grant X Rawlingson uh, he talks about um, a bug a big unique goal and and I think it's the uniqueness of this is like mm. uh, um, it just really excites me. But but the bit um, the bit I want to unpack is just around the the um, the family and the, like how old's your daughter? Seven. Seven years old. Okay. So then um, so she um, yeah she was born um, two thousand twelve. So you were like three years into the. Um, how do you go about? getting your your wife your family on, on this journey with you mm. how do you how do you bring them along on the ride um first of all i do i when i i quit my previous job which was i was working in amar sports which i did the treadmill challenge right pre-core um i was like a salary man um but now i quit that job and i'm self-employed right now I'm uh, online coaching. I do online coaching as my business. So, so that's kind of strange that I used to be a fat guy 10 years ago, and now I'm coaching, running to people, right? Like 10 years ago, I, I, I couldn't have imagined me teaching someone running, ultra running. Yeah. That's kind of strange, but now I'm here. But it used to be, when I was like the salaryman, I go to work from nine to five. So normally I put my uh, training from 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. That's when my wife and kids are sleeping. So they have no, nothing to say about me running while they're sleeping. So I try to put my workout while they are sleeping or while they're doing something else that, that, that it's still okay with, without me being there. And um, that, so, that, that, that's where I do my training. Um, and now I quit my job, uh, previous job, and I'm uh, online coaching. When did you finish at uh, um, Amcor? Um, November last year. Got you. Okay. So now they're kind of supportive because <laughs> that's, yeah. that's my job right now. So there are more. Are they, do they sponsor you? Yeah, um, the, uh, the previous company? Yeah. Uh, not, not now, not, um, Sunto and Salomon. Yeah. They do support me with uh, shoes and, and watches. Yes. Like surely you, cause I, I was thinking, I actually thought you still worked for them. So mm -hmm. I was, um, uh, I just thought what an amazing, like ambassador mm -hmm. for their company that mm -hmm. you are and your whole like story of going from the hundred kilo to then being yeah. an ultramarathon runner is just, mm -hmm. especially with the brands that they have underneath them. Yeah. But, um, um, are you sponsored by any other companies? Like, um... Yes. Uh, I'm sponsored by a Japanese trail running gear called Answer 4. It's a Japanese brand. I, I'm not sh I don't think it's well known around the globe because it's only sold in um, Japan. But uh, we're, I, I'm, I'm now working as their sales rep ex to uh, do global expansion uh, outside cool. Japan. So I've started to um, do sales in Hong Kong and they're starting to carry the yeah. answer for and, um, and we'll do um, Taiwan and uh, Korea and yeah. eventually S Singapore yeah. so that we can do global expansion and I'm sponsored by New Halle which is the taping brand yeah. 
like KT Tapes. Um, so it's called New Hale, it's a Japanese brand, and they want to do global expansion. So I'm doing some of the work. So online coaching is about like 30% of my business, and others is other it's distribution and um, yeah. I'd have to connect you with Jerry Chua I don't know if you've met her before you <laughs> yes, know her. yeah yes. yeah she runs red I, dot running down there but I, I just sent the email three, have you? three days ago did you yes. okay I'll, uh, yeah she's great Jer- Jerry is the um uh, the woman who was planning to run Hong Kong she's done four she's done Hong Kong four trails before yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. no she d- I think she's actually doing all of the three 200 milers. Uh, you know, Candice's uh, Tahoe, um, Moab, and there's another one. She's doing those this Bigfoot. year. Yeah, and Bigfoot. Um, I'll, let, I'll, I'll drop her. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll drop a message um, later. Yeah, she's <laughs> t- she's she's amazing. Um, but yeah, I, I don't feel like we've properly answered the question around the family side. Yeah. Then. So like, how have you? Um, how have you got like your daughter and your wife on board with the with the full journey? Mm. I guess I didn't do anything to get them on board, but I, I think I suppose are they? Do they are, are they like? Do they get excited about the the concept of hundred miles, hundred times? I mean, I met some of your support crew. Was your wife in Hong Kong as well? I uh, no, she wasn't. She wasn't. Yeah, um, but yeah, do they um, like? Do, do they like the idea of it? Does your wife come out on the trails with you? Like. Uh, she, she likes to come to the race in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she does. <laughs> she's always there. Uh, I'm not sure. She's not on, on. She doesn't come to the other 100 mile races, but she's always there at the Hawaii one. So yeah. uh, I'm not sure <laughs> what's going on there. But um, yeah, and, and the, she's supportive because um, she, in my daily life, um, she she knows what I like to eat and she cooks healthy food for me. So she is very, very supportive on the nutrition side. Yeah. It keeps me healthy because, you know, it's a, it's yeah. a lifetime journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my, my daughter is still not getting there what is 100 miles. Um, she, she's, she thinks dad, dad runs a lot and that's it. But um, she likes climbing. She does the bouldering, climbing. Yeah. So um, she's really into it. So I just want to support her because... Um, being confident with just one thing, anything. I, I'm very confident with running. I think anyone who has confidence with one thing can change their life. They can be proud of what they do. And they, um, they, uh, how do I say? They can be self-confident. So uh, they can be proud of themselves. So, um, And it relates to your work as well because when, while... I joined my previous job. I, I was just a service guy, but ended up promotion, promoted to become a operations manager for APAC. I think the running um, is the strategy to go and plan for a, a race is very similar to planning in, in jobs, like project managing. Uh, you need to uh, prepare for what's coming next. It's very, very similar. So uh, in that way, I learned a lot from running that I can use in business. That you can apply. It's very interesting you say that, actually, because when I met with Andre, who is, um, you know, like a CIO, CTO of like uh, of CPL, which is a big power company in Hong Kong. And he talks about that, about the, the, the logistics, the planning around doing 
uh, ultra endurance events is just it, that both his careers sort of feed into each other in, in that aspect and, mm. and they help and benefit each other. Um, but to your point around just your daughter being a rock climbing and getting something that she's really mm. good at, I absolutely agree with that. Like gaining confidence from one thing in your life can bre- like breeds confidence in everything else. Exactly. So I think it's a, yeah, it's a really, um, really interesting um, concept. So going back to the, you know, after around 1500 milers, you realize that actually, look, we want to make this, I want to make this a long term goal rather than to put pressure on having to just do it every month and to, to stretch it out. Um, what, so were all the, and how, so the very first hundred miler you did was that training session. So how do you count them? Does it have to be a race or like, how do you sort of quantify that it's a hundred miler? Does it, what happens if it's a race, which is actually 152 kilometers, right? Mm. Uh, and like, do you never sign up for a hundred K because, you know, if you need to do 500 mile or a certain amount of hundred miles a year. So yeah, how do you go about like achieving the goal? Yeah, it's a, it, it doesn't always need to be a race. It can be those fat ass runs. Treadmill. Uh, yeah. And I, I've done one on a 400 meter track 400 times. So um, I, I, that, I count that as one. Um, Hong Kong, four trails, um, that was like 298. Um, I also count that as one. Yeah, <laughs> you don't get double there. What happened if you did 320? <laughs> Would that count as two? Before the race, I told Andre that I'm, I'm going to count that as one because he gave me a, the same question and he, he replied to me, but I think that will count as 2.5. <laughs> and um, I was just laughing at that time before the race, but after the race, I got that point. Yeah, it is about 2.5. It was very tall. But I, yeah, I just count basically one ultra. It could be, I don't do like 500. Um, 298 was my longest one. I've done like 240, 224 as my training run for the Barclay. Um, but I also count that as one. Um, yeah. And I do 100Ks. Um, I, I'm in UTMB this year. So um, I'm planning to do 100K in July in Japan because I just want to do a, a one last training race for the race. So I, I, I do... A lot of the... But the, if you do a 50 or 100, it's purely just a training run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't count that as a 100 mile. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, how do you... So uh, um, how do you actually deal with recovery from one to the other? So I know that we've you've got Barkley coming up in a couple of weeks mm-hmm. and it's been three weeks since the four trails. So mm-hmm. those that's a five-week period in between mm-hmm. doing like, mm-hmm. two, like well, 298 and then mm-hmm. 100... And, um, 135 miles or something yeah. isn't it but mm-hmm. so yeah what's your how do you um sort of recover and then train and yeah um i like bathing the bath yeah and in japan onsen. we have onsen right yeah. it's 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 a real good uh culture in japan that we have the onsen basically it's a hot spring um and um, there's several ki- kinds of um the the, the hot water with um, lots of ingredients that heals your body. Um, I like the one which has the the what, how do you call it the cider the, the um, sparkling sparkling onsen. Yeah. Okay. Um, it really relieves your uh, the the stress 
of your body. Yeah. So after normally after a big 100 mile run, I would. Do you mean like jacuzzi style with bubbles, or like, or no? What do you mean like with yeah, like the drinking sparkling? Yeah, 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 yeah. That kind of sparkling. Ah, okay, it's like oh yeah, it feels like fizzy water when you're in it. Okay, mm, and yeah. it goes into your blood, and um, it's good. Basically, good heals your body. Interesting. Yeah. And um, I, I normally go to the onsen near my house. So I, I basically go to the onsen every day. Do you? Yes. And do you, because I, I, I've read a lot about the benefits of sauna and, mm-hmm. um, and but yeah, do, do you use sauna as well or is it mainly just on uh, Exactly. Onsen? I will spend about an hour and a half there. So An hour and a half <laughs> in the sauna? Yeah. Uh, uh, not in the sauna, but both. Uh, in the, yeah. Bath in the so I, I do an hour in the sauna, one hour and 30 minutes in the hot yeah. spring. Yeah. So um, the sauna is, I do like um, intervals, <laughs> um, uh, 10 minutes in the sauna, two minutes in the cold bath, 10 minutes in the sauna and two minutes. And I do that five sets and that's about an and, hour. And what benefit do you think that gives you? Um, it's good for, uh, first of all, I did, I started this for the Heart 100 because Heart 100 it's in hot. January and it's hot in Hawaii, and it's winter in Japan. So I need to get used to the humidity and the hot weather, right? So that's why I did it. And after like learning from other people and podcasts, it's also good for um, your, your body to be able to sweat and keep your um, uh, nutrition, the, the salt yeah. um, within your body. So uh, when, when you run in the hot weather, you. You, your body becomes salty, right? Yeah. Um, the sauna, if you do a lot of sauna sessions, uh, it prevents to, um, to... Your body dispelling the salt from it. It allows you to re- re- uh, retain the salt in exactly. your body. Yeah. Exactly. So I, Interesting. Yeah. That's one of the training as well. And now I think it's very good for recovery. So I do... When you're, you, you run 100 miles, your body gets smashed. So... Most of your uh, fatigue uh, will get um, get reduced through the blood pressure, right? Yeah. So when you're smashed, you, your body blood doesn't flow normal. So I go to the sauna, go go to hot, cold, hot, cold, makes your blood pressure more active. Uh-huh. And then so so that that will reduce the the fatigue of your body. And I do that every day after the race, and it, it really works out. That's fascinating. Um, you talk about sort of learning from podcasts on it, um, and there is a lady called uh, Rhonda Patrick. I don't mm. know if you've heard of her. She's got a podcast mm. called Find Find My Found My Fitness, but um, she is uh, she's a doctor. She's um, but she's done a lot of research, mm. and and there's a lot of research papers around the. Um, uh, around the efficacy of mm. um, of saunas, and apparently, and I should have done some research on this beforehand, but it reduces all cause mortality. Like if you have three saunas a week, I don't know the exact time. I think it's like minimum ten minutes, but it's probably longer. But three saunas an all week can reduce all cause mortality, so death by any means, by like something ridiculous, like thirty percent or something. It mm. has a really high impact on. Um, like uh, on sort of reducing sort of death symptoms anything from cancer to mm, um mm. cardiovascular disease etc 
Um, and yeah, I'm not a scientist, but it's all around that <laughs> your, your body essentially replenishes itself. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The, mi- the mitochondria, like your, yeah, it kills off dead cells and it's mm-hmm. allowed, able to replenish a lot quicker. Mm. So in, in terms of longevity, and it's a lot of the research has been done in sort of uh, Scandinavia and Finland where they use it quite a lot. Um, I think there's a, uh, living in Singapore, honestly believe, and there was just a report that came out um, on the, um, the health of global um, uh, like countries around the world. And uh, out of the top five, um, there was uh, Italy and Spain were two of the top. And actually Singapore was, um, was very high. Um, but I believe like in, in hot countries, there's so many benefits from having vitamin D mm-hmm. from the sun, mm-hmm. really important. But actually like the heat and humidity, I think is just really good. And they say that it's actually almost as good as, as training at altitude, mm-hmm. training in mm-hmm. high heat and humidity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, maybe you should get a running, get a pre-call running machine in the, in the sauna <laughs> as well, see how that treats you. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm no scientist as well, but uh, yeah, like you explained, I think there's a background behind this because I know it works for me and by my body, I feel it really works. And, you know, Japanese are one of the most um, long-lived countries in the the people, long-aging country. I I think it's behind this bathing culture. The onsen culture. Onsen culture. It might be a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, it has to be a big part of it. And you mentioned before around um, around nutrition, and so what what's your um, what's your? I think it's big in recovery, but it's also big in preparation, and obviously mm. very important in actual challenges you do. Mm. So mm. yeah, I'm interested in your thoughts on sort of like day to day nutrition, like mm. recovery and during races. Yeah. Um, so um, while I was on like my hundred miles back in my 10th or 20th I use a lot of gel so I use like one gel per 30 minutes so if it's uh, <laughs> if it's like a, a more than 24 hour race I'll be eating like 50 gels so um, <clears throat> I had hard times because what brand were you using I tried to use any of them yeah uh, yeah but it it works at the beginning, but after like 50 miles, it just makes me sick and it didn't work. They're so unnatural, aren't they? They're uh, just like, yeah. And, and I think it, it's unnatural because we don't eat it every day, but we only eat it on race day, right? If race day, if you have one race, race in a year, that's like one, one third of one, one, one day out of a year. And that's an important day because you want to be successful, but does it make sense to eat unnatural things on the most important day? So I think, um, yeah, it's kind of strange, but people do it. And I do it because I didn't know about anything because people do it, so I follow. I think normal runners do it because people do it, right? But once you go through the moments that you have a hard time and think, isn't there a, a better way that I can do, not make me sick? So now um, I use normal natural food. Like oh, during the Hong Kong, I'll 
eat noodles. I'll take、um, rice balls. I'm Japanese, so I take rice balls and I eat rice balls. And、um, it works out. And also, the only time I maybe use gels is when I really、uh, I need to be very fast so I can catch up with the, the energy.、Um, so that's the only time I use gels. And、um, I, I do fat adaptation. So,、um, since、uh, two years, I've, I've started to do fat adaptation. So,、um, I, I, I do fasting,、um, not every day, but I, I have this period of time I do fasting. I, I intermittent fasting.、Mm-hmm. So, like you eat between a certain window? Yes, yes. So, I eat breakfast and I don't eat lunch and I eat dinner. And I have this、uh, 12 or 15 hour window that I don't eat. If you don't eat that for that long, your insulin goes down and then your body starts to、um, use your fat. So、uh, I tra- try to train to use my fat. And、um, that's been working out because I,、um, my, my energy or my calories that I used to use、um, two years ago and now is almost half. In the race, you mean? In the race. Yeah, yeah. So、um, I think it's working out using my fat more. Than before.、Yes. Yeah, I'm a massive proponent of this. And I, it's really, I've been doing like a low carb, high fat diet, mm, right? Mm. I do a bit of like intermittent fasting, but、mm. I actually reduce the amount of carbs I eat to、mm. be able to、mm. adapt me to burning fat, which, you know, there's lots of thoughts of like, you don't need to do that as long as you do a fasting period and then、mm-hmm. train when、mm-hmm. you're fasted. It's enough to, to, uh, To adapt your body to to be、mm-hmm. um, to burn fat as fuel. Have you tested yourself? Have you done any,、um, any tests、um, to do a fuel efficiency test or anything? Yes, to be、um, actually,、um, that's, uh, I will do that next week、Got、because、you. I wanted to know where I am from before. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I have, where, where I have adapted. So I'll have some results、um, next week. When did you do the first one? That was about、um, a year ago. And did you, was that the starting point, point before changing?、Did、no, you, it was in the middle of the. You'd already started. Yes, yes. Yeah. And because、um, one thing, I do a low carb diet and I find it very hard every time、mm-hmm. I come to Japan、mm-hmm. to maintain my diet. I mean,、mm-hmm. you can have sashimi, but,、um, but yeah, everything comes with rice and,、uh, and yeah. everything's noodles. And like last night I had togatsu with like, <laughs> bread in. And like, yeah, it's, you cannot avoid carbohydrates yeah. Yeah. In, in Japan.、Um, but yeah, do, what is your sort of general day to day diet? And、um, uh, um, I, I, I eat, basically, I eat anything I want except the, the fasting period. So, I, I eat rice, I eat vegetables, but I, I try to eat、um, a lot of, I don't eat like rice or noodles at night on my dinner.、Yeah. I keep, I try、uh, more with vegetables and f- fish, and、um, I, I try to keep it lower carb.、Yeah. But in the morning, I will eat like a lot of rice and not noodles, but、um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And then, would you do, you, do you, you mentioned you do, you do training five to seven in the morning before your. Correct. Okay, so, so then you will do that completely fasted? Yes. And、um, I will take、um, a couple of MCT oil, m- the mid chain fat,、um, mid, uh, medium chain triglycerides.、Oh, yeah. yeah. And、um, I put that in my coffee,、yeah. and then I drink it, and then I, I go out for a run. 
Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I was using the MCT during my Hong Kong. I, normally, I use MCT oil to yeah. during the 100 miles as well. Interesting, yeah. One thing to note, though, actually, if you have MCT oil, that will break you out of your fast. Mm-hmm. So the I think it's over like five calories or so. Um, there's a few thoughts around it. But essentially, you, as soon as you have any type of like fats or anything, it will your body will start to digest it. It will create mm. enzymes to dry it. So it will, it will bring you out of the fasting oh, period. Oh, I see. So actually, the own, they say that black coffee mm. is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I mean, like Rhonda Patrick that I mentioned before, she talks about that actually black coffee will knock you out of a fast. But, you know, there's other people like Tim mm. Ferriss who say mm. that it's okay to have black mm-hmm. coffee. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, MCT oil will definitely knock you out of the, the fasting period. It's not the same as actually having like a, a rice breakfast uh-huh. before. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And it, it, but the good thing about MCT oil is it does, um, it, it's, it allows you to com- convert it into energy almost instantly. So yes. your, your liver will convert it into, like will, will convert it pretty quickly mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. fuel mm-hmm. for your body. So yeah. it helps with the, the uh, fat adaptation. Yeah, um, I, I, I take like uh, six grams of MCT oil during my uh, run um, uh, each race so and you'd like drink it from the bottle or like it's it's like a, in a gel gel type it's Got like a very yogurt taste yeah um, it's sold in Japan um, but I, I use that which works works well for me do you during races do you um, do you use anything um, like drink any of your fuel like tailwind or will you just drink plain water uh, plain water uh, and um, when I want to go really fast, uh, I take Coke. Yeah. Like, Coke really works for me. Uh, I, I haven't tried the tra- uh, Trailwind yet, so it might be the same, but it just has the calories, the, 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 the sugar. I need, yeah. I need the sugar, so yeah. I take the Coke with me. So while I was on the Hong Kong Trail, because after uh, the Wilson Trail, I only had seven hours and a half for, to get on the three o'clock ferry, yeah. and it, it was like the the Hong Kong trail was fifty k, where and I only had seven and a half hours, including the transit to the ferry. So, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> let, let's get in, let's get into the four, your four trails performance, uh, and um, I uh, I actually sort of like met you during the uh, the first catchwater, and we had a little little chat there, and. I've got to say, like, I was straight away, I was like, wow, this guy's so cool. He's so humble and just really, it's really nice. Um, but yeah, I, I'm like interested to hear your your um, your story about how you found out about it mm-hmm. uh, and um, what inspired you to go and do it. And then and then obviously the, how you found the actual reality of it. Yeah, so um, I, I knew it, I think it was like three years ago when um, the... It was actually um, held during the New Year, January for around the, the nor- not the lunar year, but the normal yeah calendar year. Calendar yeah, it was, year. I think it was two years ago. Yeah, and um, that kind of didn't work out for me um, because it's a big holiday in Japan. Yeah. But once it changed to the lunar year, um, it kind of worked out for me, and it was one of the things that I really want because I have a lot of my bucket list is so long (laughs) even now so I need to have priorities because I can't do everything 
in a year and sometimes you need to plan it for like five year period um, but once it became the lunar year it really worked out with my my, my calendar so um, um, and also um, the Barclay is one thing that I wanted is in my plan as well which is a 60 hour race uh, you need to finish within 60 hours and this one is a 60 hour um, so um, once I got in Barclay and um, I wanted to I failed last year I wasn't able to accomplish uh, five loops I only did one loops with out of the cut of time and now this year I'm in Barclay and um, I really want to do five loops and I I wanted to make the Hong Kong Trail as the, one of my training runs. <laughs> I don't want to say this. But I don't want to upset Andre, but <laughs> but actually, it wasn't. It was more than a training run. I I thought it was more easier, but it wasn't. It was so hard. One of the, because at this point, I've done forty eight hundred miles, but it was one of the hardest, hardest, hardest. I can't express if there's more than hard is is that word. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. So I'm glad I I, I did it. It was it was definitely not a training run. It was like it was so tough. So I I'm glad I finished. I finished within 60 hours, and um, I'm now more confident to go for the Barclay because I went through that hard period of time. Yeah. It's so hard. What what was the hardest thing about it? Mm. Um, Body-wise, uh, Hong Kong Trail is one of the unique surfaces, I think, in the world because it has so many stairs. I don't think you, you can. F someone can tell me if there's more than more stairs in Hong Kong. There's so many stairs, and it's very hard to go. I, I don't know how, how many stairs climbs we, we you need to do within that long period. More, more than 10,000 or... To put it into... Con, um, the numbers? To put it into context, like the end of the Wilson Trail, yeah. there's one uh, you go... Uh, it's called the Twins, which you do, oh, which is yeah. like... Uh, which you come out at like Stanley. <laughs> mm -hmm. And there's one big climb there, which is one, like, which is yeah. a thousand steps. I would guess... Uh, and that... I would guess there's, there's like a hundred of those more of those climbs yeah. like there must be more than that yeah um, is that the one at the end of the Wilson Trail end of the Wilson Trail oh, yeah that it's one. a beast isn't it yeah it's an absolute beast so there's a that um, I didn't actually I, I had to pull out before that but that 10k is probably like a, there's a total elevation in that 10k of around uh, um, got to be like 1500 meters or so just in that 10k which mm -hmm. is yeah it, uh, but that last climb over Stanley is pretty tough yeah because when when I was on Wilson I thought it was almost the end my GPS I thought it was the end so I I I just wanted to know how far to the end because at that point before that two big climbs I my watch was about eight hours until the three o'clock ferry right and I, I, I wanted to finish within 60 hours and that was only my goal so I can't fail because that was my goal so I asked one of the hikers saying is this the end of the Wilson Trail I'm, and he said are you running the Hong Kong Fort Trail I said yes <laughs> you look at that two mountains over there and he pointed those two hills and I was like what <laughs> I was like 
I almost screamed the F word, like in my heart, like, oh my God, I only have eight hours till the ferry that's gonna leave at 3 a.m. And I climbed up that, that two hills so hard. And at the time I got to the finish, I had like seven hours, 30 minutes, yeah. Um, to, Did you do press-ups when you got to the end no, of that one? No, <laughs> that, that was the only time I was asked for the push-up and I wasn't able to do it because I was so pressured. Like, if I don't finish, I, I don't know what I'm here for. And just for anyone that like, uh, is this something you do at the end of every run? You like uh, every every hundred miler, you knock out some press ups at the end. It started from the heart one hundred. Um, the the, the you've done four times, right? Yeah. So the first time. I know I did six. You've done it six times. Yes. Wow. Okay. So the race director said, "I want to." I said, "I want to run heart next year," and he said, "If you do push up, <laughs> like uh, on the on the fifth before the fifth loop." Um, I said to the race, I really enjoy this race. I want to do it again. He said, if you do push-ups at each eight session, <laughs> 10 times, I will allow. And it was a kind of a joke for him, but I did it. Now, since then, I'm like the push-up guy <laughs> who does the push-up at every aid station during the race. So yeah. I, I like it because... Every aid, how many aid stations are there on her? Three. Okay, so there's three in each, um, and each loop is 20 miles? 20 miles, yeah. Including the start finish, there's like three a station. I do the push-ups, and I like to entertain the the people over there. Uh, so you do you do 150 push-ups in total. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's awesome. So so everyone everyone knows the push-up guy, yeah. but he that 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 is not equal to Tomo. So I, when I talk to someone and um, I say. This is, I'm Tomo, and when I talk about, I do the push-up. Oh, they said, oh, you're the push-up guy. <laughs> so everyone knows me as the push-up guy. That's pretty, there's actually, there's a podcast in the UK called uh, Bad Boy Running. Uh -huh. I don't know if you've heard of it. Like a, it's a real, like, fun, like, good banter podcast. Yeah. But actually, they do this thing where, like, there's a real community thing in the UK. Yeah. Like, they've got a Facebook group. There's, like, hundreds of people mm -hmm. in there, thousands. And they got this thing where, like, they, that, you know, either you... You get to the end and do and do push-ups as well. So like they would like absolutely worship you, Thomas. Son. They would. Uh, um, but so so yeah. Back to the um, back to the four trails in Hong Kong. You get to the end of the um, uh, of the Wilson, and like, that's a tough trail, the Wilson, isn't it? Like each of these trails, you know, on their own, are beasts, right? They yes. are like they are tough. Yeah, like one. So there's four trails, and one trail is enough. <laughs> I, I realized when I was running, it's like when I was on the McElhose Trail, I thought, oh, this is going to be a long day because I've only finished one and I have like three left. And I, I, I was on um, a video chat with one, one of the finishers um, in 2018, no, 2017 and 2016 to get more advice about mm. the course. Who was that? That was... Um, Jack? That was Matthew and Hong Fong Fei. Uh, okay. Matthew. Yeah. yeah. yeah and he was talking the, the Wilson is a beast and um, Hong Kong Trail at the time, that's the second night, so you get really sleepy. And by the time, you, if you get to Lantau, it's, it's okay because you know you can finish like 70K. So I got that advice and um, I, I was hearing about Wilson is a beast. So 
at the end of Macklehouse, I was like, what, what am I into? <laughs> am I really able to finish within 60 hours? I started to question myself. And, um, and it's no course marking. So if you miss a point, you're basically adding up the, the mileage of what you... And you, know. you mentioned to me before we started that you actually had a GPS device with you the whole time. So you, yeah. um, that actually told you, like beeped if you got off in direction yeah. or actually gave you directions. Correct, correct. And so um, it's, it's funny that uh, I, it's called the Geographica, this app. And I had it on my phone. And um, uh, I was looking at my phone each time at the McElhose Trail, first time, so that I'm not making any mistakes um, when I got worried. Um, but at the time I got to Wilson, I, started, I found out this um, the, the, the feature that it autoplays each section of the GPS and each section is about 100 meters to 200 meters and it tells you uh, to go uh, to go straight or uh, the next the next checkpoint is 200 meters for example the next checkpoint is 200 meters it is um, um, going uphill uh, 50 meters and then once you get there it tells you beep, you're, you're here. Your next point is 150 meters. So it continuously, it's kind of irritating, but it's, it would be irritating if I knew the course. Yeah. But I don't know the course, so it just makes me relieved with getting yeah. worried. What's the app called again? Geographica. 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 And you, you hadn't recceed any of the course beforehand, right? So you'd not been any, on any of the trails pretty much. Yes. A, apart from having done, I think you did the 168 in Hong Kong, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the the good thing was that the GPS was the one that uh, Hong Fei um, gave gave me um, before the race. He gave me the one he finished in the previous years, Got and you. he's local. Yeah, and his GPS data is no mistake. Yeah, yeah so yeah. that was strong to having that GPS on my device as well. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. And um, so you get to the start of the Hong Kong Trail. You are. Um, 180k in, and in fact, when you I was there at the finish line, but you you were speaking um, about how you you had an amazing support crew, right? How mm -hmm. many did people did you have in your support crew? Um, two really two. Uh, no, I was like two that was continuously supporting me, and uh, two Hong, Hong Kong locals, Matthew and Hong Kong Fai. Um, yeah. They supported me on parts of the trail. Yeah. Um, so like four yeah yeah, yeah. um and yeah i remember you saying to like andre about like you got to hong kong trail and you're like that they were your support crew were like instructing you to do everything and you were like uh can i go now uh am, am i allowed to go and they're like yeah you can go <laughs> and then you just like when you sprinted off and like you i think you what, what did you end up doing the hong kong trail in about 650 far out like that is um that's a fast time for anyone just doing the hong kong trail on just the 50 <laughs> so like how did you maintain that pace for the whole of it like uh, with 180 kilometers in the legs yeah i i think i was tired at that point but my my goal was to do within 60 hours and that was my only choice i can't fail and um if i because before the race, I was told that if you don't get on the three o'clock ferry, you're like, you're 
you won't be able to make it. So which I, Nikki Han, Nikki Han not proved true, it's not right? true. What a was, yeah, that was amazing. Is, yeah. yeah. So until then, like I, I was watching the Breaking 50, Sixty, the the movie, and yeah. Andrea was talking about that. So just in my head. And also because it started an hour later this year, it actually yeah. meant that it was um, it was even harder to make that three a.m. ferry than yeah. it had been. You had less an hour less to be able to get that three a.m. ferry. Correct. So, like, if I didn't break sixty, it was it didn't mean nothing to me, no, because that was my only goal. So yeah. I I told myself, Tomo, you, what, whatever you want or anything, just go and get on that ferry or else nothing for you and yeah so I, I did it in like six hour 50 minutes but each one minute was tough so tough because i ran everything uphill uphills uphills there's some big hills on the hong kong trail <laughs> yeah. as well i mean it's it's the least elevation of any of them but there are mount but uh, is it yeah mm. Jardine's lookout there's some there's some tough hills on those some of the stairs I just power hiked yeah. but all the flat hills I, I ran everything and each one minute was so tough and there's like 420 one minute in six hours 50 minutes and each time it was so tough like 420 times I told myself look just run don't think about anything you 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 need to don't walk if you walk you're out just keep on running and just focus on that and just be a robot or a machine and just told myself 420 times and that but 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 the time i got to like the halfway point there's a gas station and chiaki was there and it's support not supporting me but just just there cheering me up and once you go through this halfway point you you kind of battle between the times right because when you start the 50k you only have seven hours but the time you you get to the halfway point in like um, three hours yeah you have four hours to finish the 25k and then you go further if you go like 40k and you have two more hours like you get really... time in the bank in the yeah. pocket aren't you to, you to relieve the yeah, pressure yeah yeah that I, so I told myself to push hard as I can so that I get, can get relieved mentally. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was so, so hard. Did you have any injuries or any pain or any... I mean, obviously you've got pain. It's like the, the pain, like, starts after 20K for me and you just know that it's going to... But, um, yeah, but yeah you, I'm sure you had some pain in the legs, but was there any injuries? No injuries. No. Yeah. And, and you didn't have any stomach issues or... So you had no other issues apart from just tired and like yes. aching a bit obviously normal ultra fatigue yeah you, you just need to push through that moment yeah that's amazing so um what time did you actually get to the end of the hong kong trail i think we had like uh, 30 minutes in the bank so you got there around like two o'clock or two, two thirty. you got the two thirty time. she had half an hour to get yeah. to the ferry which is still like if you did that during the day when there's traffic oh you're not going to make it but yeah, obviously it's true. middle of the night so yeah. you're um and did you manage to, did you get any sleep throughout the whole thing? Yes, I got some sleep um, on the ferry. I, I think... Was that the first time you slept over the three days? And I think I got some sleep in the car as well. Going to the Wilson from the, the Mac? To, yeah, to the Wilson, to the Mac, and, and to, to uh, end, of, end of Wilson to uh, beginning of Hong Kong. 
I think. But I actually don't remember if I was sleeping or not because I was like in a race and I. Yeah, normally if you do more than like um, 36 hours, it's not like you sleep, you kind of faint. Yeah. <laughs> You're like like a switch. You you don't feel I want to sleep. You're, you realize, I, oh, I slept. <laughs> so uh, I think I slept for s sometimes, but I think on the ferry, um, yeah, I slept about 30 minutes. And after I got off the ferry, I wanted to sleep for two hours or, yeah, two hours. I wanted to start when bef when the sun rised and yeah. um, at the time uh, Christian was there so it wasn't like me racing um, I just wanted to finish the race so I just wanted to um, yeah rather than I, I go in the dark with my still my tiredness um, yeah I just wanted to have the morning to come and then I was kind of I still had like 14 hours to finish to so you did get a couple of hours sleep at, um, at Mui Wo, yeah. Mui Wo, yeah. Um, yeah. And the crew was massaging me um, uh, while I was sleeping, so I got the fatigue. Um, How did you feel when you woke up? Oh, I felt good because they were using this uh, the, the machine yeah. um, called... Um, what was it? Uh, um, I forgot, but it's, it's like a massage machine that... Um, just relieves the muscle um, the, 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 this, uh, what would you call it? What I don't know the brand name I, we'll look it up after yeah, and I'll put it yeah. in the notes or yeah. something cause, yeah, that. because I actually I, I bought it after you the race you bought one after the race <laughs> because yeah, it, yeah. it works so well and I, no, I now use it by myself and I, I'm sorry I, I forgot the name I don't I, it's not coming in that's so cool. we can put it in the notes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they was using this massage for me. And then so, because even 14 hours is a pretty tight time to be able to do the landing. I mean, look, after a few hours sleep, it's mm -hmm. actually okay. But um, yeah, without sleep, that's a tough... Uh, yeah, because I finished the race within 57, 42. So I only had... Yeah, I only had like... Yeah. So I finished in 12 hours, which yeah. is oh, like... You have 60 hours and you have two hours left is almost like, you know, it's nothing. It's nothing. So, yeah, I, I was thinking this race was easy for me, but it was so hard because while well, people said if you're on Lantau, you can finish. But I, th there's a long catch water that makes you crazy because if you don't run that part, there's big, big hills coming uh, to the finish so when I was on the, those hill I, I was glad I was running on the catchwater because if it I didn't run on that catchwater you'd have to push it over sunset yeah. and Lantau Peak yeah and that was hard too uh, yeah it, yeah the, I, I think one of the hardest thing I don't know if it affected you but it was the the heat like it was just so hot those few I, I looked at the Garmin I only I checked it just the other day because I hadn't checked it beforehand and it, I had 32 degrees on that second day on Wilson, it was mm. showing 32 degrees, <laughs> which is just, it was supposed to be 21 degrees. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that just takes it out of you. How did it affect you? On the first day, um, like one of the Japanese guys, Soken, was running as well. He was really saying, it's so hot, it's so hot. But I, I was running the heart like two weeks before the Hong Kong Trail. So I, I was 
he adapted, I think, because I did a lot of the sauna training like usual. So I, I think I wasn't like too hot compared to um, Soken. But I was very salt. My body was very salty. So I, I knew it was very hot, but mentally I wasn't very hot. But the second day when I was um, on Lantau Trail was very hot um, um, on the last part. So I, I, I took some naps, 30 minutes naps under the tree because it's so hot. So I, I tried to wet my body with a lot of water. and um, Just from a stream? From yeah. the stream and just sleep under the tree just yeah. to reduce my body temperature because um, it was so hot. Yeah. So that, that kind of worked out. But um, chafing was an, another issue as well, which um, I normally don't get, but, but I think it was so hot. So I sweat a lot, so I put... A lot of chafing cream. Yeah. But what, that, what chafing cream do you use? Um, I use the Japanese one um, that's sold in Japan. Yeah. Um, called J1. Um, but that kind of washed away. So it was kind of hard to battle with my chafing. What did you carry with you? Like, were you carrying your chafing cream? No. No. I, I had my chafing cream at the aid station. Yeah. <laughs> but Or with your support crew, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what well, each aid station is like 70k or 100k so that was what, kind of too long what did you carry then like did you carry much food or water or yeah. obviously water but i always carry the water with my filter yeah ketadine filter yeah. so i can just take water from the streams or um um during um the the tap water um and i carry um mct gels um oil oils and um, I, I take like rice balls and um, take my GPS I, I take some um, uh, wind shells just in case it got like rainy but I didn't use it anyway so I should have left it I mean that's one of the they weigh next to nothing anyway if yeah. you've got like a thin Solomon one or something it doesn't mm -hmm. weigh anything yeah, yeah. but um, but so you didn't you didn't carry a massive amount of food. Obviously, fat adapted. You didn't. Um, you carried rice balls. Did you pick food up along the way? And um, uh, the noodles. Yeah. At the noodle shops. Um, that's all. Yeah. Yeah. I was um I was at the uh, the green post box at Muiwo in the end and and oh, like it was so emotional seeing you get to the finish yeah. line and I could see like what what were what were your feelings when you got to the finish? Yeah. So. While I was like running this race, um, before the race, I go back to before the because I started to shouting that to my friends in Taiwan, Hong Kong, and my Japanese friends that I'm running eight Hong Kong four trails. So I knew this race, you need support. So I was shouting, can anyone support me and things like that. And all my friends got together and we, we ended up in a, in a crew. So those crew, Japanese guys, those crew, it was my first time to see them in Hong Kong. We were on like Messenger or we were on video chat, but they were mostly the first time I met. And um, before the race, I was very satisfied. I had this crew. But while I was running, I was thinking, if I didn't have these people, I can't finish this. And I was so thankful for these people being at each A station because basically I'm, I'm, until I get to one point, I, it takes me 15 hours or 
eight hours. And they need to be there waiting for me for, for that moment. And I just felt so thankful for them to being there. And I think there's, they worked out the logistics to share cars to pick me up and think of backup plans because you never know what's going to happen, right? So I think with, with, without the place, without me, I think those guys were constantly communicating each other that saying, Tomo's coming. So what is plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D? And I didn't understand it until I ran it. And I, I, it just came to my mind that all oh, the, these people are helping me out so much. And I'm so thankful. And going through the tough course, it makes me emotional because finally I'm going to finish this race. It took me like 57 hours, so it's so long. And now when I get to the green post, I see all my crew lying up in front of the green post and it just makes me emotional. Just saying thank you, thank you so much. And that's why it brought me tears um, in front of the post box. But not because I was kissing, kissing the green post, it was Andre, it was my crew, it was my friends. And also you were there, Scott. And that that was uh, just one of the moments I can express. It was just just thank you, yeah. And and because I wouldn't be able to finish without those people. It was like finally finishing together with the team, and um, yeah. The atmosphere there at the end was just it was amazing. It's got it's such a uh, like iconic or infamous event where it just brings the whole trail running community and there was only like out of the 29 people only seven of them were for hong kong it was a really international community um but just everyone gets fully invested mm. in it and uh um but no one more than obviously andre and and actually i i spent a lot of time actually watching him as much as watching mm. and you can see how much this means to him mm. seeing people achieve it and uh and he, like he was he was in tears when yeah. he was like you know like spraying you with champagne yeah. and stuff and um yeah it was it was pretty emotional and then and then after that um it was only like was it half an hour or 45 minutes after you came in that nikki came in yes yes um and obviously you hung around to see that and mm -hmm. like, i run with her for quite a bit of it and um and wow like and being the first female to finish as well like it's just truly emotional seeing uh, seeing her get over the finish line as well. Yeah. Uh, because there was a lot of points that really worked out well because I was lucky or because someone was there. When I was going through these tough moments, I almost gave up, but someone was always there and cheered me or someone was always there um, trying to help me out and those dots were not there uh, until I ran it. Um, I knew I wanted to finish but those dots I couldn't have imagined before the race but those dots were very magical for me because they, when you go through these tough moments you're almost giving up they pop up and they help you out and they tap you in the back say go Tomo and then you, you run and then you're going through these tough moments and you're almost going to give up 
and the, some some magical guy just pops pops up and say, Tomo, you're almost there. And he taps me on the back and the, the crew's there at the end of the aid station and um, gives me nutrition, gives me massages and has the perfect logistics because they only have like 30 minute window or yeah, everything just was magical. The, if there was one mistake, I could not, I could not have finished, which um, those, those were so fragile. If, if something got wrong, I could have just not finished. And when I go through those moments, it was like, wow, that was, that was amazing. <laughs> that was an amazing ride. <laughs> Honestly, Tom, it's a, it was a phenomenal run, mate. And I've um, yeah, just got so much, so much respect for you. And for anyone that can uh, that can finish that race is just it's a, it's an absolute beast. Even the people like um lady called Habiba who uh, she came in in uh, I think it was like sixty eight hours or something, but she was just crazy being able the tenacity of her and which she didn't even she did it the year before and she didn't make the eighteen hour cut off on the Mac and to come mm. back and compete it's just crazy. Um, yeah, mate. One one of the things I wanted to go into actually as well was. Yep. I was looking at your ITRA um, uh, scores and your ITRA runs, um, mm. International Trade Running Association, and I couldn't see any DNFs on there. Oh, yes. There's not one on there. Um, and so one of the things I like to talk about is, uh, you know, this podcast about suffering and survival, but I also like to hear about those times where you get in the pain cave and times that you, you mm. do not finish. Um, and yeah... Do you have any? Um, and I'm sure, like, and I, this is a leading question because I'm interested in about mm. Barclay last year. But, um, but yeah, have you got much experience of DNF? Um, so Barclay was my only DNF. That's your only ever yeah. DNF. Yeah. You've done 4,800 milers. Yes. Plus all the other ones. And you've only DNF one. Yeah. There's like short races I did like 15K, 50K, 100K, and no DNF. <laughs> Um, so, so, so Barclay then, mm -hmm. uh, you did it last 2018? Cor correct. Uh, correct. Yes. Uh, and, uh, and what happened? So, uh, basically I won't go through deep into Barclay because it's kind of famous. I mean, for those that don't know, it's a yeah. Netflix documentary. <laughs> Just go and search for it. If you haven't seen it, then you're missing out. But. So basically you need to do, uh, five loops on this course in Frozen State State Park in Tennessee. And uh, they call it Barclay 100, but I think it's uh, about 140 miles. You're not allowed to wear a GPS, right? No GPS, no course marking, no aid station. There's two places that you can get water. Um, that's all. And um, you need to go through these checkpoints uh, to, and there, there's a, a book, hidden, hidden book at each, um, each checkpoint and you need to rip your own bib, the same number as your bib number. Last year I was 19, so I ri ripped ni page 19. So that year there was 13 books. So until book nine, I, I, I was very confident I was going to finish one loop. And I was very careful um, going through those checkpoints because loop one was clockwise and loop, loop two was the other way around anti-clockwise in the night so 
going running in the night and daylight is very very hard especially in the rain fog hail that year the weather was very horrible so i i i, I was trying to memorize the course on loop one so once i get the book i every like cross points i look back so i can i kind of remember because um one of my options was to follow a veteran, but that didn't work out because I ended up mostly on my own. So I tried to finish the loop within um, my own, um, but I ended up um, going back and forth with other guys. So sometimes we were in a team. But the time I got to book 10, um, it started to kind of not snow, but hail, but heavy rain, thunder and fog. And I wasn't able to find the book, so I ended up in a, a in a cave <laughs> called Indian Knob, and um, there was the, these four guys. <laughs> because when I got to Indian Knob, there was two lights in front of me, and I knew it was the Barkley Runners. And they were when I caught up with them, they were saying, "We're trying to find this book for nine, an hour and a half, but we could, still cannot find it." And I was with another guy, so we ended up in a team of four trying to find the book. In, in the fog and um, we were the rain got so heavy and some of the guys got really cold and hyperfemia so we ended up in this cave <laughs> the four four guys in a cave was the cave on the trail on the or trail you, it was on the trail so you weren't lost but you just couldn't find the book yeah, yeah. we just wanted to keep ourselves warm yeah. <laughs> and and at the time there was only an hour to 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 find three more books and I thought oh, I'm done I was like oh my Barclay has finished and two of the guys was hyperfemia so um, they said that we're just gonna quit and just go back to the to the base camp it's called Quitters Road and they, they went back but uh, I just wanted to because my 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 Barclay 2018 was finished at that point because if you if you take more than 14 hours on your first loop, you're basically out. You're not allowed to do the second loop. And it took me 18 hours for the first loop. So I was basically out. That was my first DNF. But at the time I was in the cave, I thought, oh, my, my Barclay is gone. I can't do five loops. But it, my, my Barclay two, for 2019 had just started at that cave. So I said, I just want to find this book because if I can't find this book, <laughs> I, I just want to find the book because I, 2019 is my next goal. And uh, one of the guys um, with me said, do you want to go? And he said, I want to go. So we, we tagged together and we found the rest of the books. And by How long did it take you to find the, the next one that you'd been searching for? Oh, for that, that took another two hours. Was it like hidden badly or no it was like it took so like um basically the book was so close but we were just going round <laughs> round it, and round and round and by the time we were there trying to find it for two hours other guys came the other way around so we i found that light yeah coming backwards so i tried to catch up with them and because they were trying to find the, the same book in the other way around. Mm -hmm. So I tried to get tag with him for, as a team 
to find the next and book. And you had maps, uh, you, so you, you had maps, compass, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. And the written directions, yeah. but at the time, it's like. Uh, have you have you ever done any navigation before, orienteering or anything? No, I haven't. No, I haven't. So the only time I did was before the Barclay. I I trained with the orienteering, good orienteering guys in Japan. The so road gaining. I can use the yeah, compass, yeah. and yeah. I can at least um, do yeah. some navigation. Yes. Yeah. Um, interestingly, so Andre has this thing, uh, and Andre's an absolute beast as well. You know mm. that, but um, he uh, when I was talking to him about DNF, he's he's DNF'd a couple of times. Um, and actually, he but he's got a he's got a philosophy now where he will he will only the only way he will leave the course is either he misses a cutoff or he's mm, pulled mm, off the course mm, um, for some reason or another by like the race director. So yeah, whilst you DNF'd it, it was you were pulled off of it rather than actually yeah. pulling yourself off. Yeah, which I think is uh, uh, you know you can have some amount of solace in that and mm-hmm. that know that you're um, you know that it, you didn't quit yeah um, which I think is a, is a good thing I, I kind of have the same philosophy if if I my legs is torn <laughs> or someone pulls me out I won't DNF um, because when I used to start the this kind of race um, it was just one of my egos or pride that I don't want to DNF because I, people see me as I DNF I was kind of shame of myself, but now I, I just don't want to DNF because um, I, I put too much effort in my in my training as well. So, and I don't want to look into the mirror the next day and say I DNF because uh, I sacrificed a lot of family time and um, to to do the training and um, yeah, basically the. The only guy, the only guy who knows the truth is you. People, people might say something about you, but that might not be true. My point is, when you look into the mirror, even you're like, I don't know. When you look into the mirror, um, you only know yourself the truth. You can hide something from people, but you can't hide something from yourself. So I, I just want to look into the mirror and say, you did the best as, as you can. And um, I just want to be proud of myself doing that because if I don't make the cutoff, it's okay because I did the best. Like I did in the Hong, last Hong Kong trail within seven hours. I just wanted to push hard until I, until I give up. And even though if I didn't make this three o'clock ferry, I just wanted to say in my mirror saying, you did the best as you can. What else could have you you done? So, yeah, it's, it's uh, impressive, Tom. And like, yeah, you're um, yeah, you're just a machine, mate. I mean, like, it's a, the the four trails was was my first ever DNF, and um, oh really? Yeah. Wow. And, and look, I mean, I haven't done I I'd never done a miler before doing that, and I've done. I do like adventure racing and um, and cycle tours and uh, and and but a hundred k had been my furthest beforehand, <clears throat> and I sort of like had that as like yeah I don't quit I don't quit. and and I even now I don't have any regrets pulling like I know that I couldn't have continued, 
but I, I also think that now, like I've gone through that process, I think that there's a lot that, and I'm sure you have done since the Barclay. I, every time I finish a race, I always like, like you did in terms of writing your blog, I'd always, I do like a, it's just to myself, but like a race report of what I could have done better, what I would have done differently and how I could have improved on it. Mm. And what worked, mm. uh, you know, like that type of nutrition worked or like this gear worked or anything like that. And I think that, that, that like failing actually gives you even more feedback to be able to improve the next time. Yeah. And it doesn't, it, you know, I, I was disappointed, but I think for anything more, it's like maybe more determined. It's like, right. Like, mm. And I'm not saying that I'd like going to, do the four trials again next year but they um but at some point that is a uh, you know that that's unfinished business there and mm. i think that's i think that what well, like I, I having the power of never having dnf but also having i think there's a lot to be learned from failing as well i, th I think you had a question before saying what why do you run why did you think of um, running 100 miles 100 times um and um and people ask me, why do you run 100 miles 100 times? And uh, I think the simple answer is because I fail every time. There is no perfect 100 miles I've done before. So I get educated. I get smarter. So every time I finish 100 miles, I say, the next one should be my perfect 100 miles. I've gone through this moment, so I have uh, a lot of experience. Then I do another 100 miles, but I fail something. So I, I guess I like failing. Failing seems to be very negative, but for me, failing is very positive because it, it raises the bar that you can achieve more. So um, I, I like failing because that's the easy, easiest way to success. And um, yeah, uh, and that's more improvement. So once I finish 100 miles 100 times, I'm not sure what my goal is, but maybe I start my 100 miles 200 times or, <laughs> or maybe I do 200 miles 200 times or 300 miles 300 times. I don't know, but basically I, I, there's no goal because every time you learn something, um, if the distance is longer, there's other objectives that can make you fail and um, yeah if it's a 60 hour race basically you need to sleep and that comes into the picture and so it's a, I think it's a never ending story yeah yeah but that, that's oh. very exciting because you can only live once in a life and um, yeah I just want to keep on going I like the concept about the Barclay especially because people say it's like a, a, a the the what do you call the support, the, the bar that you the need to... Pinnacle, the pinnacle. Uh, not uh, the, in the... Uh, and the high jump? Or high the, jump. Yeah, yeah. It's like the high jump. Because if somebody finishes, Laz will raise the bar again. So basically, this year's Barkley is the hardest Barkley ever, right? Because he's always raising the bar after people finish. I like that concept because... Yeah. 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 And Andre sort of done the same. I mean, obviously he yeah. he put he like yeah. took poles out mm -hmm. this year, which mm -hmm. for me I, I I'd always done the long stuff on with poles. Mm -hmm. Did you use poles? Yeah, but, I use poles a lot. Yeah. yeah, 
And did you find it hard without? Yes, I found it hard. And actually, I, I think back and say, it's also hard, hard to use the poles in the, those stairs because I haven't used yeah. poles in the stairs a lot. So, yeah, it could improve my time yeah. a little bit, um, but not too far, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tom son, this has been amazing. I, I actually, I, there's a few sort of like quick fire questions I want to run by you and like soon before finishing up. Um, yes. What makes you emotional? Family. Uh, what's the uh, most inspirational book that yeah. you've read? Yeah. Born to Run. Born to Run, great choice. Classic, but that was, that's like, that was like a dictionary when I read it when it was published. Well, and, and sorry, to, I like I know this is quick fire, but I like to dig deep a little. Right? When did you read it? How soon after you went on your running journey from 2008 did you pick up Born to Run? Was it, I think that was 2010 or something, okay. somewhere around there. So around the first time you did your 100 mile, first 100 mile. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, favorite podcasts? And uh, I know you've got your own as well. I wish it was in English so yeah. I could listen to it as well. Um, I, I like Trail Runner Nation. Yep. Yeah, That's yeah. a lot of information there. So I, I try to get um, all the information be, uh, from America from there because that's the kind of the, uh, uh, the I get the, a lot of the news from there. Yeah, yeah I like that one. They, they have some good banter, those guys as well. well um, the best bit of kit or equipment that you've bought for under 100 US dollars? Uh, I was thinking about that. Uh, hmm. I don't have it in my top of my head. I was I, I was putting in that list, but uh. your massage thing that yeah. <laughs> we still can't yeah, remember the that name. That actually cost three hundred dollars. So. Three hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So it was an under hundred bucks. Um, yeah. That's cool. Um, uh, one of the ones that I've got from you are the MCT gels, like, uh, and although that's not kits, it could, like uh, mm -hmm. nutrition, but I'm mm -hmm. going to be, uh, I'm going to be looking into those. Um, and and finally, this actually is a question that when I'm like in business, when I'm interviewing candidates to come and work for my company, I often ask like, what the proudest moment of their personal and professional career, like a career is. So what what's what's the moment you look back on and just. Uh, that you you will be on your like deathbed and you'll look back at something that you're just truly truly proud of um uh, i have my own um fat ass run the first one i did it's called tdt tour de tomo <laughs> <laughs> it just came from utmb right um, same same concept to to the to the Tomo, to the, to the giants, those type of thing. Um, uh, it became as a, a fat ass because some of the, my friends wanted to um, run 100 miles as a fat ass run. But I just didn't want to do as just a run. But um, it, one of the two of the regulations that you, you, um, you need to do before the race is to clean up the trails and um, give me a picture of a garbage bag that you've <laughs> taken all the picked up the garbage. And the second one is to uh, give me um, unneeded clothes that I can donate to like Philippines or uh, a 
other um, India. Um, while I was on my previous job, I used to be a service engineer just for Japan, but I got promoted to um, APAC operations manager. So I started to travel all around Asia because my area was from Bangladesh to New Zealand. And it was very shocking at the time because that was when my daughter was like three years old, four years old. And I see these kids um, about the same age selling stuff on the, uh, on the road or almost bare naked, starving. So um, I, I felt very, it was shocking because it was, it was another world I had never seen. And um, I was just shocked and I, I was just telling myself, whoa, I, I felt so useless. <laughs> I can't, I was in my taxi going to work from my hotel to work, but I, I was just looking at this environment with sh shocking, uh, and um, I, I couldn't, I felt so ashamed of myself because I couldn't do nothing but just see. <laughs> and um, and it came together with my TDT race that um, basically you need to donate clothing. And um, while I was uh, on my on my road to going to India or Philippines, I, I take like I can take like three luggages, um, so for free. So I put all my clothings in my bag, and then I, I take it to the distributors that represents Precor, and they try to find um, churches or they try to find places that they can donate these clothing. So um, I would never have done this um, if I was maybe running um, or um, I would say, um, yeah, um, I, I'm glad that I, I'm putting this together with running because I, I can at least help someone or uh, make the environment clean. I know this is nothing compared to, um, to it's not a big thing. It's like I've only take, um, every time I take like 50 kg of clothing to, to people. But my, my, my point is that um, 100 miles is, you see 100 miles in a distance, is a, a total distance 100 miles. But if you don't have the one mile, it's 99 miles. If you don't have the two miles, it's 98 miles and it's not complete. So. I, I, for me as an ultra runner that I can I can't do a big thing like Amazon or Apple or something I can't do those big things but I can do something continuously to make it bigger so I can do I, I can't do 50 miles if when I talk about 100 miles in doing things I can't do 100 miles in once I can't do 50 miles at once but I can do one mile 100 times to, to make it 100 miles. And the thing I'm doing here is I can't, I want to continue to do these things. And if there's other people who think, oh, Tomo, this is good, I want to be in engaged and do, do go the same goal with you, um, it adds up another mile. And if I start to do this, um, I think um, more people will get engaged and eventually it could be something big. And so I just want to be proud of my little thing, my one mile that I do that could add up to 100 miles. If I do it 100 times, I, I can't do it. But I can't do 50 miles. That's but I right. can't do one mile.
yeah like if everyone just tries to make that little bit of difference it can make the world a, a better place and look there's lots of i um i did the rinjani race last year in lombok um it's not on this year because they had the the uh, the volcanic eruption mm. on rinjani the whole mm. mountain's closed down uh, but there's a lot of people, you know, there's 400 people killed in that volcanic eruption. And there's lots of, uh, but my, my point is like, the, you know, there's there's lots of ultramarathons in these places where there are a lot of people that, that need help and, mm. and support. And so, um, yeah, I think that for the ultra running community, I think it's a great idea to start up an idea where every mm. time you go somewhere to mm. like take something to be able to deliver to the local community mm. and find mm. out beforehand to be able to distribute. Mm. I think it's a really good idea. I think there's, there's legs in that in terms of setting something up like yeah. that. Yeah. So I guess my point is don't be shame of doing something small or something little because little and big is the same thing. Because if you, have, if you remove that little from a big thing, it's not complete. It's not yeah. one thing. So just be proud of yourself doing uh, little by little. And um, if, if you want to kind of train for 100 miles, uh, you might think that 100 miles is long, but um, you won't get there li- within one year. Or, but eventually, if you do little by little, um, you, you can eventually get there. Yeah, that's awesome, Tom. Um, what was in the diary for you? You've got Barclay Marathons ne- in a couple of weeks' time. What about this year? What does your 2019 look like? What are the, okay. what are the mileage you're going? So I did Hart in January. I did the Hong Kong Fort Trail in February. Barclay is in March. I'm doing a fat ass in Seoul, Korea in April. I'm doing my own TDT in May. And I'm doing the UTMB in August. So there's uh, 600 miles, more than 100 miles uh, in, my, in my book. And, and you look to do five a year is your plan? Five or six a year? Five or, yeah, five or six a year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's one that I'm looking at, actually, because I've never done a miler before, but um, uh, is Bromo um, in Indonesia. Uh, Mount Bromo. Um, I'll send you the details for it, but it's in. The, it'll be in the beginning of November. Hmm. Um, yeah, you should put it. You should get. What, what's the most you've done in a year? Uh, nine. Nine. Okay. Okay. So. Maybe we could do ten this year. <laughs> I shouldn't be putting ideas. Yeah. You don't want to get this hundred hundred times done too quickly because then it'll be like, what's next? Right? Yeah. Yeah. My next goal might be two hundred miles, two hundred times. Um, Tomo, just like closing remarks, Mm -hmm. advice. I mean, I think there's been so much to pick up on here. So I've like learned a whole lot from you. But any closing remarks on people that are either planning for the next 100 miler or planning for, I don't know, like an adventure race or triathlon, Ironman, whatever. Any advice? Um, uh, I, I think the, like the effort people can put in is like a, a glass of water, glass of water, and a glass. Most people have the same size glass, and um, the amount of water they can put into that glass, um, the amount of water that they can put into something is the, the same amount of water. That, that's the effort people can put in. If, if, it, if, you're, if you have that amount of water to put into something, if it's a, like a short period of time, you can you can put a lot of water in it in a short time of period, and you'll have high performance if you put that in. 
but if you have a like a, a like a 10 year goal or a 20 year goal you have the same water that you can spread it in, in a more shallow but you won't have high performance but you can still continue for 10 years 20 years um, most people um, have families and works um, they're not professional athletes in our kind of in our umbrella so they need to deal with their family and work so um, um, and it's a fun sport <laughs> remember the day that you went in the mountains and you saw the first view of the sun or the forest it's amazing so there's a lot of parts in the world that you can enjoy. You can go to America, you can go to Yosemite, or you can come to Japan. There's so many places that will overmind, it's get your mind blown. So, yeah. And if you're not healthy, or if you're, you're not healthy enough to go those to those locations, you're not able to see it. So, um, yeah, going for a race, pushing hard is one goal, but uh, having a long time goal is a, is a good thing. Like, if I, when I'm 80, I would still like to be climbing mountains and seeing those views uh, with my legs. That would be cool. So um, what I want to say is, of course, um, people get very busy with um, next race, next race, but just think of a have a have a plan to just have a, like a 10 time, 10 year goal or 20 year goal and um, some sometimes um, those goals um, um, relieve you from um, the stress that you might be having on a daily basis um, yeah it's not just races this is amazing this you, because if you continue you you'll meet amazing people I, I I've met you and this is amazing as well when I was 10 years back when I was fat, I, and if I didn't do running, I wasn't able to meet you. I wasn't able to meet Andrea. I wasn't able to meet my friends who uh, gave me a lot of passion that I am here. So doing this sport for a long time, there's so many cool people around you. So doing it long means you're, you're able to meet these people. And then you have another world. You see a lot of other crazy runners and make you passionate. So yeah. Um, yeah, I love that. I, I love the sort of concept around not just thinking about, you know, what's the next thing, what's the next race, right? but having like a long term view of it and understanding what the overarching goal is. I think like longevity and just being healthy into your uh, into your later years, like my, my dad's 78 and is like, he's pretty sick at the moment and stuff. And I, I, I and he's been really sick this past year. And one of my big things is like, I want to be able to run a marathon when I'm that age, you know, like, or, or an ultra. I want to still want to be able to do an ultra, like a 50 K or like at that age, that is my own likes. And, uh, and everything should be about that. Like not push as you, I like the, the fill up the glass of water analogy. Cause it's like, don't, why push it too hard too soon or like, or overtrain like into, into a period because it won't give you longevity in your running career or whatever. Just, it should be with a sort of long game in mind. Mm -hmm. um, so I really like that. Uh, thomas -san, this has been amazing. Like, I've just, like, uh, thank you so much. Uh, you know, I've, uh, 
it's been so great talking to you and hearing your story and I absolutely want to get down and chat with you again I wish you all the luck in the world for Barclay I don't think you need it I think this time you've done one Luke you will this time you'll get it done Thomas son and um, and I will be um yeah supporting from the sidelines yeah I'm desperate to do my push-up at the end of the Barclay at the yellow gate well you need to do it on every route yeah you need to finish every lap when when you get back to base camp every lap smash out those push-ups and yeah, uh, yeah I, I'm uh, I look forward to hearing about your success for it but Thomas son Thank you for having me, Scott. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. The Endurance Asia podcast. And always tell a truthful story if they ever ask. Stop the complaining because things ain't that bad. Rick, how's it going, mate? Yeah, we're good. Good stuff. So, what did you think of, um, of our mate Tomo-san? What an amazing guy, huh? Um, yeah, it's just the most one of the most humble people I think I've heard interviewed. Um, just makes the whole thing seem so easy and, and like the most obvious thing in the world that everyone should be out there knocking off 100, 100 miles. Yes, it, it's the Japanese way of not being self-promoting. But, and so, so he's extremely humble with it. But, I mean, what he's done over the last 10 years is, yeah. is incredible, isn't it? I don't... Well, it's like that sort. It's that quiet determination. I mean, he's clearly on a mission, but he just doesn't come across as. And I mean, he must be obsessive about it. He's got. He's halfway through. He's got a long way still to go. But. You know, it doesn't. It just doesn't come off like that. It just seems like, you know, this is something that he does almost just as a bit of a kind of passion project on the side. He's got his family. He's got his routine. Um, yeah, really, really inspiring. Yeah, I think um, the the thing that impressed me about it is that it wasn't just about setting a goal for a specific race or one thing to do. He wanted to, he wanted to come up with something that was like a lifetime mm -hmm. mission. And rather than just have one thing and that you train for and get fit for, and then you end up, you know, it all falls by the way, so you stop training, you put weight on again. But he's like, if he has it as a lifetime goal, then yeah. he's, uh, it's a, it's a oh, real he's all, mission. He's all in, no question, yeah. Um, what were the biggest things you learned from it? Um, I mean, I think just the way that he, he's gone about it all, the, the, when, you know, when he's talking about um, his first experience at Barclay and how even when he, you know, he got stuck on the course, he's in that cave, he's already thinking ahead to the following year and that that's when his training or his, his preparation really began yeah. and that he, therefore he had to go and find that book. Um, I think he's just, it's just a really interesting kind of focused mindset. Uh, yeah, that was incredible, isn't it? That the other guys were like, okay, we're done. But he's like, if I'm going to be able to achieve this in a future year, I need to have at least completed yeah. one loop. Well, it's a bit like when you're talking to him about, about four trails as well. I mean, he's just, you know, you talk about Hong Kong Island and, and that staggering time, what was it, 6.30, six, six yeah, yeah, 6.50? Like under, under seven hours, yeah. To do Hong Kong Trail. And it's, you know, it's almost like that, that achievement wasn't the point to him. It was, I've just got to get on that ferry. The funny thing about that was, because uh, Andre, I actually got it slightly wrong in the interview, so it was Andre that wanted to take a photo of him before he went up on Hong Kong Island. I thought it was actually right. his team that were, but he, he was taking the photo and he's like, can, can I go now? Can I go? And Andre's like, okay, you can go. And then he just fucking runs off and sprints from all the way from Sheko to the, to the trailhead. Uh, 
uh, my the big thing for me was when I saw him get to the finish line, and he's a uh, he is a really humble guy, but he does he does this push up thing which he started at Hurt One Hundred, and when he's at Hurt One Hundred, it's every checkpoint, and so at every one of the end of the four trails, he uh, he smashed out the uh, the push ups, and so he did the same when he got to the end of the uh, and completed the four trails, but just seeing him just like in a sort of thank you praising pose and uh, and just with tears in his eyes and yeah. just 40 or 50 people there cheering away and uh, uh, and seeing Andre like crying as well it's like proper emotional he's uh, oh, such a legend like he he blew me away and actually from the very beginning because I'd sort of saw him on Instagram beforehand I was like wow this guy's got sounds got a really cool um cool following and a good um this hundred miles, hundred times, but when I saw him on the trail, he kind of, I, he started running past me, and I started running with him, and he was just, just so such a nice guy. Yeah. There's and a lot, there's a lot of joy and passion coming through in what he's doing. I think it's not, it doesn't, he doesn't come across as someone that's kind of trying to bury his demons through running. He's just, you know, yeah. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure anyone who's, who, who runs that far, that often has something that they're, it's a sort of personal thing they're trying to prove to themselves, but. It just, it just, it just seems to run for the love of it and the people around it, and the that gratitude is just kind of overflowing by the end. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, he obviously did Barclay this uh, the the past weekend. What? Uh, yeah, what did you think? Well, we need to we need to catch up with him and find out what he thought about it all. He got he did the fun run, three loops. Um, didn't get one done last year, so I mean, it's it's progress of a sort. But I'm sure he'll be disappointed not to have. Uh, not to have gone further. Yeah, it sounded like a, a, a really tough year again. They've obviously changed the course, and um, and yeah, there was only I think there was there was um, one guy who's, uh, that got to the uh, fourth loop. Got to the fourth loop, um, and yeah, and three to finish the um, the fun run. And there was a couple of the previous uh, people that have finished it. So there's John Kelly and mm-hmm. uh, and Jared who both I think Jared. Um, he rolled his ankle. He rolled his ankle in the, in the first loop, didn't he? And uh, uh, yeah, following it on, um, was it uh, Keith Dunn yeah. is the guy on, um, yeah. on Twitter that was, uh, but yeah, it was really interesting following it. But people were like shocked that Jared was, because um, he, he's done it three times before. Yeah. What is the motivation to coming back yeah. and trying to do it again? And I think that's a big question. It's like, it's quite easy just to... There's the, the, the motivation has got to be diminished once you've done it three times, surely. Yeah. Well, that's why you say it comes back to what Tom was saying about he's his project now, that there's a motivation. And that's a motivation that's going to keep him locked in for the next 10 or 15 years, probably, yeah. to get that project done. Um, I reckon he'll, uh, he's, I was convinced that he would actually, uh, that he would complete it this year. Uh, it was obviously another tough year. The weather seemed... Um, seemed pretty atrocious again it started nicely but then yeah. they had freezing temperatures and but it's also different from i think a lot of the other ones he's done isn't it because there's a big navigation piece in it yeah um and that might be something that you know he's gonna have to work on to to finish next time around yeah yeah um good stuff um yeah is there any uh, any other final closing thoughts and um well it just made me it did make me want to get in an onsen as soon as we can yeah um, that's it Actually, that was one of the, the big things that I picked out. I've got a, a sauna at home here, and I've been like I've been doing it almost every day yeah. since hearing him do that. Um, yeah, that's because uh, uh, he's not how 
you race that much and don't get injured yeah. is yeah, uh, yeah. he hasn't been injured in the last uh, yeah in the last well, since he started doing his ultra marathon yeah I can believe there's something in that the sauna and then the hot springs you know and he says it's he thinks that's why uh, Japanese are so long lived but yeah. I don't I mean, there's probably some truth in that yeah yeah I'll um, I'll link to the um, Rhonda Patrick uh, uh, she's done a lot of research on the uh, on saunas as well but yeah, I'm sold. I'm trying to do it every day. Um, good stuff. Anything? Uh, anything coming up for you, mate? Anything in the uh, in the diary? Oh, we need to, we need to start putting some things in there for the summer, don't we? Um, maybe that Mongolian trail in uh, July, yeah, end of July. Yeah, and um, uh, Olympia tour. Um, good stuff. All right. Thanks very much, Rick. We'll uh, yeah look forward to catching up with you after the next uh, next interview in a, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, time. let's look forward to the next one. Okay, good man. And your Insasia podcast. I know we tell a truthful story if they ever ask. Stop the complaining, cause things ain't that bad. Things ain't that bad. Things ain't that bad. Things ain't that bad.